0: The Word of God that I have the privilege to read uh, is there for you in Matthew chapter 13. You can use the Pew Bibles if you desire. I'd welcome you if you don't know where Matthew is in the Bible to join a Bible study and, and go along with this. Otherwise, you can read along with this on the screen. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got in a boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the ground was shallow. The soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to us in parables? He said, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even when they have what they have, will be taken from them. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will ever be seeing, but never perceiving. For the people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn And I would heal them. But blessed are you and your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth... Choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Now friends, Pastor Keith has the privilege here in a moment to come and share with you the interpretation of the scripture that God's planted in his heart. I'd ask that you pray that it might be fruitful and that he might be faithful to his task. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we pray for Pastor Keith as he comes forward this morning to share the good news that is yours and given to us. We ask, Lord, that as you plant it in our hearts, that it truly might grow and be fruitful. And Lord, we pray for the man who comes to speak uh, your words on your behalf for us. Let him be faithful. Let his words be fruitful. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
1: Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. I hope that uh, for those of you that started in your small groups this last week, that <clears throat> you've been uh, excited about meeting again. I pray that uh, as you move through these parables, that it's something that indeed helps you to grow in your faith for the purpose and the ultimate goal of bearing fruit. I mean, that's what Jesus says is the ultimate goal of what God is up to in your life, is to help you to bear fruit, which is the Bible's way of saying to see real change happen in your life, to see a real uh, difference that your faith makes in in who you are and what your life looks like. This is a parable I think we as, as Iowans, of course, can relate to i mean there's very few places in the country where where you probably can you know turn on the television and see a commercial for like soybean seeds and you know herbicides and stuff like that they don't get that in new york city probably not or out in phoenix you know or any place like that but here we understand the agricultural culture we understand what has to happen in order to have things bear fruit. I mean, if you drive around, you look at fields, you see all this machinery, you see uh, the the work and the money and the energy that's spent into growing a crop, into bearing fruit, we can relate to that in some way. And Jesus uses this parable this morning to make the analogy that it's kind of like that with our hearts, that God's word is designed to grow in your heart. And, and as Jesus spoke in parables, he was basically answering this question in people's minds about why does God's word seem to affect some people differently than others? Have you ever asked that question? Why do some people hear a sermon or hear or read the Bible or hear something and it's just like, wow, it's impactful and it means a great deal to them. And other people seem to have virtually no reaction to it at all. It's, it's a great question. And I want to tell you, the answer to it has nothing to do with God's Word. Because God's Word was designed to grow in everybody's heart. God's Word was designed to to fit into our lives. I I think it's interesting in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, uh, the writer of Hebrews quotes Jeremiah 31, 33, and he says this, "'This is the covenant I will make with them after that time,' says the Lord. "'I will put my laws in their hearts.'" And I will write them on their minds. This means that your heart and my heart, every human heart, was designed to receive the Word of God. It's been said that each one of us has inside us a God-shaped hole in our hearts. Something that can be filled only by the Word of God, only by the presence of God in our hearts. And I think that is a true statement. I think, I think the human experience is ultimately an experience of of. The reconnecting with God that must exist. And if it doesn't happen, of course, we we find all sorts of, of, of problems. So, if that's a true statement, then why doesn't God's Word grow in every heart? It's a great question. And one of the things I like about this question is it causes us to focus not so much on, you know, how we're supposed to grow, which is a question that we ask a lot how do I grow? How do I grow? How do I grow? Right? And, and if you ever have, have meetings like that or, or thoughts like that, conversations like that, you ask, what do I have to do to grow? Well, what Jesus is doing here is sort of turning that around, and he's asking the question, what is stopping us from growing? Because what Jesus presumes is that there's nothing wrong with the seed in and of itself. It's not as if this sower was was sowing seed that was, you know, half of it was good and, and half of it was sort of good and half of it wasn't good at all. And it just, you know, the problem was really with the seed, right? What well, Jesus was saying, no, the, the, the problem wasn't found at the seed level. The problem was found at the soil level. So we're asking that question this morning. Why do some people respond differently to God's word than others? Why does that happen? And I want to think about that from this perspective Because it's important for you to understand that you can't make yourself grow spiritually. Too many times we think it's all about us. And we think that, well, okay, what do I have to do to grow spiritually? I got to do this, 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 and this. And certainly there are things that we must do. But sometimes we act as if it's all about us and what we're supposed to do. Let me tell you, you can't make yourself grow spiritually any more than... A plot of dirt can make an apple tree grow without a seed. You see, the dirt can't generate an apple tree in and of itself. It takes the seed. Within the seed is all the information required to grow that tree. The dirt provides the atmosphere for change and the the environment for the seed to grow. And understand, that's the ultimate goal. If God is growing the seed or sowing the seed, why doesn't it grow? What's stopping it? I want you to ask that question right now. What is stopping my spiritual growth? Recognize that growth is designed as bearing fruit. This means real change, real results, not just feelings or circumstances. Too often we live in the world that we think spiritual growth is completely connected and dependent on how we feel about something. Right? You talk to people and you say, well, how, how, how's your spiritual growth? Oh, well, here's how I feel is often an answer. Or they'll answer, here's my circumstance. Spiritual growth has very little to do with how you feel about anything or the circumstance of your life. The choir sang that song this morning, It is well with my soul when peace like a river attendeth my way or when sorrows like sea billows roll. Basically, what that that him is about is that no matter what's going on in your circumstance it's well with my soul, right? That's spiritual growth that's fruit in your life But if we don't understand the definition of what Jesus means when he says bearing fruit, then we can be all kinds of left field places. Because let's face it, many of us, and the Bible warned about this, many of us are far more interested in how something's going to make us feel rather than bearing actual fruit and causing us change in our life. I mean, many people choose their church based on how it makes them feel. Many people decide that because, oh, well, I want to feel a certain way and this music makes me feel that way, this music makes me feel that way or, or that preaching makes me feel this or, or that, whatever it might be. <clears throat> feelings are important, but recognize this. Jesus defines fruit as real change, real growth. You can do just about anything to change how you feel about something, right? Just stand there and you'll probably change how you feel, you know, three or four times a day, right? Our feelings aren't what matter. It's the change in our lives. So what's keeping us from growing? That's what this parable is all about. Removing the barriers that keep God's Word from growing in your life for the purpose of bearing through. That's the same process that farmers use to grow crops, isn't it? You know, they have a process they go through to to decide what's keeping my crop from growing. <clears throat> Maybe there's, there's, there's the ground hasn't been addressed and it's not been tilled up properly, or maybe there are obstructions in the soil. Maybe there are foreign entities that are causing problems in the soil, and and so they take steps to deal with them. You know, when when our family lived on a a boys' ranch for a little over a year in 2008, one of the first things that we were given to do, a job that we took the boys out to do, was to go out into this field where they were going to grow corn, and we had to walk through the field and pick up all these big rocks that were in the, in the soil and chuck them into the woods, you know. And I remember thinking, I'd never done anything like that before. And I'm like, don't they have machines for this kind of thing? You know, and he's like, yeah, you're it, you know. So we went out there and we just spent the day just picking up rocks and throwing them in the, in, in the, in the woods or whatever. It was, you know, kind of a mindless job, but I thought that's I guess, just what you have to do because you can't drag your equipment through a rocky field might damage your equipment. If you damage one of us, the boys, who cares, right? That one boy who was getting on my nerves accidentally might have got hit him with a rock a few times. You know, I tried to tell him to move, but it just didn't happen. You got to get rid of these obstructions, right? You got to, you ever, anybody here ever walk beans, right? Yeah. What are you doing? When you're walking, I had a friend of mine, he's a pastor. He said, oh, when I was a kid, I had to go out and walk beans. I'm like, what in the world does that mean? You know, you just walk through a field and pull out weeds and stuff, right? You're taking care of the, of the soil. This is something that we should be familiar with because if you don't do it, stuff's going to prevent it from growing to bear fruit. And Jesus uses the same parable and the same concept to describe what happens in the human heart when God's Word is sown out into it. And you know it's true, isn't it? It's true. It's, a, it's an incredible parable Because we see it happening every day all around us. So I want to talk to you this morning about how to cultivate your heart. How to allow your heart to be prepared to receive God's words. So, there are three different types of soil that Jesus talks about. And of course, three different uh, points here. And the first one that you have to understand is this. If you want to cultivate the, the soil of your heart, you've got to let God's word sink in. You've got to let it sink in. This is where many of us stop right there, right? Now, Pastor Mike, Vicki, and those of us that are standing up here every week, you know, we, we see what it looks like to preach to people who don't let it sink in, right? You see, there's some, there's some people, when you preach, right, they're like this. Writing everything down Hanging on every word We'll get emails the next week Hey, you said this about that Well, here's a little, you know uh, a, a little poem I found on, online That I want you to read that talks about that Or here's a picture I found on Facebook Or here's something that goes along with your point Because they were listening They were paying attention They want to grow Other times, you'll, you'll see people Who are just sort of like enduring this You know Other times, someone will sabotage the sermon By making a noise You know other times, you know, you have people who are just, their goal for the for the day is not to fall asleep, right? We're pretty sure that ain't going to happen for crying out loud. You know, not to fall asleep. Just begin to turn everything off except for this. Um, and so, you know, you have people who are sitting there and it's kind of like, you know, they get the, the head bob going when it's, you know, someone will give them a little elbow or whatever and, and you wonder what the deal is. And then you still have these people who... No matter what you say, they recognize that it ain't getting through. And it might be a thing where, where, you know, something that's said could change their life. But they've decided in their mind that they know everything they need to know. And nothing a preacher says is going to make any bit of difference. So they shut themselves off. They shut themselves down. I, you know, And they decide, well, that just isn't going to happen. It seems to bounce right off. Well, in the same way that a worn path hardens the soil, sometimes the experiences of our lives can cause us to be well worn as well. You know, it's a dangerous thing to become so prideful and jaded as to turn away from the Word of God before it has the opportunity to take root. It's dangerous, isn't it? When we Decide that our hearts have become so hardened because of life or because of things that no matter what's said, no matter what God's Word says, not getting through. You know, this isn't just an age thing either. I see it on Wednesday nights all the time. I see 6th graders with hard hearts. I see 11th graders that have decided, nope, not getting through. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, I'm not going to listen. Jesus says that's like the seed that was sown on the path, well-worn, compacted, and impossible to penetrate. If that's the state of your heart right now, then the only way that you're going to see fruit ever born into your heart is if you undergo the painful process of tilling of allowing God to churn up that within your heart, that which is within your heart that, is, that has caused you to become callous, like Jesus says, that has caused you to, to, to hear the word but not listen, to see the truth but not really see it. Jesus spoke about the people that live their lives with hearts on the hard path, and here's what he says about them. If only they would hear and turn, I would heal them. If that's what's preventing you right now from bearing fruit in your life is a hard heart, then I beg of you this morning, let God destroy your pride. Let God turn you inside and out. Don't think that it's ever going to change unless you allow your hard heart to become soft. You know, the Bible's filled with imagery like that. You know, in the Old Testament, we read of the prophecy that says, "I'll I'll turn their hardened hearts into hearts of flesh. When a person has a hard heart, no matter what you say, can't get through to them. So I'm speaking to you this morning, and if God's allowed you to hear this today, you need to understand it's not too late for you. Maybe you've been a hard-hearted person your whole life. Today, right now, God's offering you the opportunity to let him to come in and, and to till up your heart. Because underneath that, that impenetrable you know, surface, there's an opportunity there for God's word to take root but you got to let him shake you up you got to let him break you down and turn you inside out not a fun process at all but necessary if you want to grow the second thing that you have to do to, to cultivate your heart is is it's simply this <clears throat> turn from your sin right Jesus talked about this rocky soil that when the seed was sown on the rocky soil, it, it appears to, to take root and to grow really fast, right? And you can't see from the top what's going on underneath. But he said that's like a person who, who hears the word of God and instantly they're to go, Wow, this is awesome. I love this. This is amazing. And they, they appear to take root. But underneath the surface, there are barriers to growth that prevent the soil from really taking root. And Jesus says it lasts only a short while. You know, you've seen this. There are people that come to church that get so excited about their faith, that come to 412, kids that, that get so fired up for, for just instantly, they get, wow, this is amazing. I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. I want to do all this stuff. And, and, you know, they're filling out everything on the yellow sheet, and Karen gets them, and there's like, you know, see attached page for more things I want to do in the church, Right? you ever see anything like that Karen you know occasionally people get fired up and then you know they're involved in everything and they're excited they're in every bible study class serving on everything they can do they're just they're just so just just fired up and then it seems like just as fast as they got turned on by the things of spiritual growth boom they're turned off and they disappear and you go what happened to so and so what did they do and you wonder And oftentimes what happens is this, according to Jesus, this is what he says, when suffering or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away. Now, why would suffering or persecution come because of the word? Well, for many reasons. But one of the ways that suffering or persecution comes is when the word of God challenges us to grow beyond our sin, you see. And many of us are unwilling to do that. You know, we might pluck a few of the big rocks out when we become a Christian and throw them into the woods, but there's enough stuff going on still in our hearts that we just love too much, to be honest with you. And we won't take it out. We're going to keep that. And our spiritual growth can only go as deep as those rocks let it. And I've talked to people time and time again Who've said things to me like, Pastor Keith, I love Jesus, but if he's going to tell me that X is wrong, I just can't do that. I love Jesus, but if he's going to say, I have to give up, dot, 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 ain't going to happen. Pastor Keith, I love God, but if he's going to demand this of me, then you know what? Party's over. And those are the honest ones, right? Those are the honest ones those are the ones that are at least real about what's happening in their hearts. Far too many of us aren't, right? Far too many of us want to just live this life where we pretend that we're doing everything great for God, that everything's going awesome, but yet we have these secrets within our hearts. We have these hidden things that we keep within us that we know are sinful, and yet we refuse to turn from them because we love them so. And that's what's preventing our spiritual growth. And that's what the rocks are. The Word of God will challenge you, make no mistake, to take yourself off the throne of your life and submit to the Word of God and change your life accordingly so that we can bear fruit. But many of us, sadly, limit our own growth because we're unwilling to remove those rocks. And we'll live in this state perpetually because we don't understand what God's trying to do. We think he's trying to punish us and hurt us and make us miserable, right? But what he's really trying to do is help us to grow. What he's really trying to do is to give us life and life abundantly. What he's really trying to do is to set you free from those things that have enslaved you, those things that have caused your heart to become so marred and in love with him that you don't realize those are the things that are killing you. See, Jesus says that all who love him must obey him. But too, too often we think that the goal of the faith is just to save us from hell or to make us good people. And because we, you know, pray to prayer, a pastor told us to pray and receive Jesus, we're good. Because our parents baptized us, hey, that means I'm a Christian. That means I'm going to heaven. Because we got confirmed, now we can graduate from church. Right? I did that. I'm a good parent. I put my kids through that program. They don't need to come anymore, right? That's what happens. See, we think that we've accomplished something when we've really only exposed the fact that we're only going to grow so deep as the rocks and sin in our lives will allow us to take root. It's painful to think about. But it's true. We recognize what Jesus says about that. He says, unless you're bearing fruit, unless you're bearing fruit... There's problems. He told his disciples, he said, Look, every tree that bears fruit, every branch that bears fruit, my father prunes, so it will bear more fruit. But every branch that does not bear fruit will be cut off, bundled up, and thrown into the fire. Doesn't sound like a party, does it? It's a serious thing to claim to be a Christian but decide it's okay not to really bear any fruit because, hey, I don't want to give up my sin, right? So we got to turn from that sin if you want to cultivate your heart. you got to find those things in your life that you know are wrong and don't belong there, and you need to repent of them, and you need to turn from them, and you need to remove that stuff from your heart so that God's root can go deeper into your heart and you can grow. Now, maybe you've done that. Maybe you're like, you know what? Yeah, okay. I'm letting God's, God's word sink in, and I'm, you know, all the things in my life that I know shouldn't be there, I've, I've, I've done my best to get rid of them, you know. Okay, well, may, maybe what's preventing you is you've got to stop worrying about the world so much. The third thing you have to do to cultivate your heart is you've got to stop worrying about the world so much. This is talking about the thorny soil. You see, to obey God is to trust God. <clears throat> and if we don't let go of the worries of the world, we cannot become fully fruitful. You see, Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and everything else we need would be added unto us. But you see, many of us hear the word of God, we respond to it, we turn from our sin, but we stop growing because we're too concerned with what the world thinks of us and with having everything the world thinks we should have and doing everything the world thinks that we should do. And we fail to bear fruit because we're too much in love with the world and its values. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. He's talking about money at the time, but he could be talking about so many other things. It's amazing how easy it is for all of us to become overwhelmed by the worries of this life and the cares of the world. And this happens because we want to have it both ways. We want to live for Jesus, but we also want the world's accolades and All the accomplishments and admiration of the world at the same time. We've talked about the rocks. The rocks represent those things that you know in your life that are sinful. Those things are generally easy to spot, but can often be hard to turn away from, right? But the thorns are different. The thorns represent those things in our life that may or may not, more than likely, are not inherently sinful or evil, but yet still have the ability and the intention to choke out your faith. Now, what's an example of something that could be not a sin, but have the ability and intention to choke out your faith? I mean, let's get talking about that, right? This is the culture we live in, right? Filling our lives, coexisting with things in our heart that are good things that choke out our faith. I mean, this is, this is what we do, isn't it? We fill our lives and hearts with so much stuff and we justify its existence there because it's not bad, maybe even it's good, but yet finds a way. Choke us out. So how do you, what are you talking about? Think about that. What's, the, what's an example of something in your life that may or may not be a sin but can choke out your faith? You know, I know some people that I haven't seen in church for over a year because they love to fish, right? And you say, hey, I'll see you in church on Oh, Oh, pastor, I can't be there. I got to go fishing. <clears throat> Is there anything wrong with fishing? No. Jesus was a fisherman, right? He was a carpenter. His disciples were fishermen. They did that kind of thing. Nothing wrong with that. But <clears throat> when it becomes the most important thing in your life, that you can't come to church ever because you got to go fishing, that's a thorn, right? I I know some people in their lives who love to ride motorcycles, right? You know how hard it is for me to sometimes be driving to church and go, you know what? Let's see here. It's a nice day. I mean, Pastor Mike doesn't really need me. I mean, he could preach about the parable of the sower backwards and forwards in his sleep, right? Right? a nice day. I'll just go riding. I'll send him a little text. Pastor Mike, I ain't going to be there this morning. It's too nice of a day. I can't be expected to deal with five hours of church on this beautiful day, right? I'll watch it online later, I promise. I can still be a Christian without going to church, right? I could be an unemployed Christian without going to church, but... See, Pastor Mike is an accommodating guy. There's been exactly zero times in my life and career with him where I've said to him, hey, Pastor Mike, this is something I want to do. And he said, no, you can't do that, right? But I promise you he would, and rightfully so, if I said, ah, you know what? There's nothing wrong with motorcycles, not a sin in the Bible, right? Think about your own life. That's a ridiculous example, right? But it's true for, for many of us. What are the things in our lives that there's not a thing wrong with them inherently, but we allow them to choke out every aspect of our faith? It happens with sports. It happens with vacation. It happens with hobbies. It happens with careers. It happens with achievements. It happens with just about anything that we can take that's a good thing and turn it into an ultimate thing. That's the thorns that Jesus is talking about. And it comes from the worries of the world. Man, it's the one that drives me the craziest because I see more teenagers choked out by this than anything else in their faith. And you know what? I, I, I'm not shocked, I'm not shocked, because most of the teenagers don't know that's a problem, right, they don't know that inherently, and they don't listen to me when I tell them it is, right, it's the, it's the problem that we put on them, isn't it, and we tell them, well, sorry, that's more important than anything else If you want to be fruitful, you have to remove those things from your life that choke out your faith. To do so often comes at a great risk, though, because the world will think you're crazy. What? You're not going to do that? You're not going to do this? You're not going to be involved with that and do all these things because you want to worship God because of your faith? Oh, come on, you're not one of those crazy Jesus freaks, are you? But you have to decide what's more important to you. Are you going to worry about living up to the world's expectations, even when it chokes out your faith, or will you do some weeding in your life to make sure that nothing is hindering your growth? Parents, listen to me real quick. If you teach your kids when they're young that, that's what's going to, that, that's, that their faith is below everything else in their life, I promise you that's how they're going to grow up to be. So when you want to come back to talk to me when they're, you know, 19 and 20 about why they never go to church and why they don't care about God when you've raised them in the church their whole life, this is what happens. This I've had that conversation way too many times where people don't understand because in their mind, they raised them in the church because they had them in some programs, right? Show your kids... Show your kids by your own example And by your own life What's truly important Don't let those thorns, those good things And again, don't hear what I'm not saying I'm not saying there's anything wrong with sports I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, you know, going fishing I'm certainly not saying there's anything wrong with motorcycles You know, God forbid I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of that stuff What I'm saying is When you allow that to choke you out Then it doesn't matter what it is It becomes a problem Because here's the deal Dirt is dirt. Dirt is just dirt. It's what is done with it that matters. So what happens when you let God's word take root in your life, take deep root in your life? You want to know what happens? Awesome stuff. You grow in your faith and you bear fruit and amazing things happen all around you. And there's real change. There's real progress. There's real power. You experience God's power and working in your life in the way that you were designed to. Just like it matters what a farmer does with the dirt, it matters what you and I do with our hearts. So the question I have for you this morning is will you cultivate your heart? Will you do the tough work to till it up and make it receptive? Will you let go of your pride? Will you let go of your bitterness? Will you let go of being offended at God's word? Will you take a good hard look at your life and the sins that you knowingly allow to be there? And will you remove them and turn from them? Will you take a good hard look at those things that are trying to choke you out and get rid of them? This is the tough stuff of faith. But it's the most important stuff as well. Right here, right now, God's word is being sown towards your heart. What will you do with it? That matters. Because what it does with you completely depends on it. You know what Jesus said it can do with you? Jesus said it can change every aspect of your life. He said to even the most hard-hearted sinner in the world, if you would turn and hear, then I will come and heal you. There's no one that's gone too far. There's no one whose heart is too hardened. God's word can take root and grow and bear fruit. What's stopping yours? What's stopping mine? May God show us so we can get busy and cultivate it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, Lord, this is tough stuff. God, I know in my own heart I, th- I feel convicted and I feel, Lord, like I'm seeing things that are, show- that are barriers to growth. God, I pray for all of my friends gathered here together that we would, Lord, respond by saying, Lord, have your way in our hearts. Forgive us our sins, Help us to take them out of our hearts. And Lord, help us to respond to the work that you want to do in us so that we can bear fruit, God. Fruit that will last. Fruit that will change this world. Fruit that will be multiplied so that your gospel will continue to be preached and you'll be glorified. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.